Hour number two out of bounds. William Quagginbush, Ben Milstead, live inside the Upcountry Fiber Studios. Tiger Sports Shop is a it's a great spot, folks. And I could probably just stop there, but that wouldn't be effective because you're asking why. It is a great spot. I'm not lying to you. Uh, but it's a great spot to outfit yourself for everything under the sun. This is the like this is the time of year where you need to show up to your venues thinking about summer and winter at the same time. Baseball starts Friday. The game's going to start in spring and finish in Alaska. <laughs> every every game is going to start in spring. It's going to finish in Alaska. So you need short sleeves. You need fuzzy socks, blankets, parkas, scarves, and two kinds of hats. One for the springtime and one for Alaska. And suntan lotion. And sunscreen. That's right. <laughs> Don't forget your sunscreen. And let me tell you something. They have sunscreen at Tiger Sports Shop, too. Do they? They know you're outside, man. They know. Go by two locations, downtown Clemson and Highway uh, 123. By the way, I think it's I think it's great that with all the angst about the net, one thing that America and our, our Adams Grove and Texan agree with is that the BMI is the superior is the superior metric. We, we know this to be yeah. true. Yes, we just need to remind people every now and then that the BMI is in fact the uh, the superior metric. Uh, let's go to a superior real estate professional, Morgan Coleman. She sponsors our This Week in Clemson Women's Athletics segment. Morgan, what's up? Hey, y'all. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, I hope you're doing well. Um, women's lacrosse. Uh, big win in the, the opener of the new facility. They go to Furman and beat a good Furman team last night. Good start for Clemson Women's Lacrosse here. Yeah, Clemson's a lax school. How about that? Pretty, uh, <laughs> pretty cool. Um, yeah, so kicked it off with Davidson, um, a 19-10 to 10 win. Went out to Greenville to play Furman last night on Valentine's Day, 11-5 to 5 win. Um, they're you know, 2-0, and 0, kicking off the 2024 campaign. And uh, they have a home game on Saturday against the Chanticleers, Coastal Carolina. And uh, they kick off at... 12 p.m. noon on Saturday. So go check them out. I was looking at um, the roster earlier, and I was looking through, and something that I noticed that I thought was pretty cool, um, there are three goalies uh, on, the, on the team, and two of them are from the state of South Carolina. And uh, I didn't know that South Carolina was much of a lacrosse state, but they are letting their presence be known. And I'm, I'm excited to watch uh, as the campaign continues. Look, we know that uh, Clemson women's soccer is, in fact, GKU. Are you willing to extend that <laughs> moniker to women's lacrosse? <laughs> yes, yes. There's something in the water in South Carolina that, uh, you know, creates these, these fearless uh, goalies and goalkeepers who uh, want to defend their team. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that. All right, uh, elsewhere in the world of real estate, Morgan, I want to know everything there is to know about why it's important to have buyer agent representation. Yeah, so I want to share a quick story um, with y'all today. It's about a listing that I have that I wasn't even really able to talk about um, because it kind of happened so quickly. But last Friday, uh, I took a, a listing active 903 Plantation Drive in Simpsonville. Um, located in Holly Tree subdivision, a well-established subdivision um, with clubhouse, golf, 
tennis, pool, the whole thing. Um, Sellers renovated the entire house. So I knew we'd probably get a lot of eyes. Um, One, because there's not a lot of inventory, but two, it was a great house as well. And we went on the market Friday with a scheduled open house on Sunday. And on within 24 hours, we were in multiple offers, and we went under contract. We went pending um, right after that. So importance of buyer agent representation. Right after I switched the MLS status to pending um, and obviously canceled the open house, I had six buyers reach out to me and say, whoa, 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 wait a second, wait a second. There's no open house. Is it under contract? And I said, yes, you know, open house is canceled. The property is pending. And they were so upset and so bummed about it. And, of course, I asked them, you know, do you have a buyer agent? And they said, well, yeah, yeah, which that means no, they don't. Um, <laughs> my biggest my biggest piece of advice is if you are seriously looking in this market, and it's not just in this current market, it's going to be, you know, busy for the foreseeable future in the Greenville area, the greater Greenville area, the western upstate. If you are seriously looking, you need to have buyer representation because an important aspect of getting into the house quickly is having your buyer agent call before the showing. Hey, you know, you already are interested in seeing it, so you're scheduling a private showing. Have that agent call and say, well, they should be doing this on their own, but hey, what context is important? Is there a closing date important? Is there an attorney you'd like to use? Asking all the important questions. So if you decide to craft an offer, you already know all the important details so that your offer is shining in its best light. So please, 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 if you are looking to purchase now or in the next six months, find a buyer agent that's going to you know, put your best foot forward. Very good stuff there from Morgan. Great wisdom, great insight. Uh, if you are in need of a real estate professional, check her out. Morgan, uh, thank you so much. Thank you for sponsoring this week in Clemson Women's Athletics. And uh, enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll talk again real soon. Thanks, y'all. Go Tigers. All right, that is our friend Morgan Coleman uh, talking a little real estate and a little uh, Clemson Women's Athletics. Um, all right, let's let's dive a little bit deeper into the Clemson-Miami game last night. Clemson wins 77-60. We've been talking about certain elements of it. One thing, and I, I tweeted this out. Um, I tweeted this out this morning as I was re-watching. And really, I was re-watching early in the game, and I paused it. Because I knew from seeing the box score and kind of having an eye on it last night that Clemson turned the ball over eight times. Well, then I counted five in the first five minutes. I'm going, wait a second. You mean to tell me Clemson turns it over three times the rest of this game? And it turns out that that was in fact uh, that was in fact the case, and it it was even better than that. Ben, for tw- the last twenty six oh five of last night's game, Clemson turned it over once, and at one point they played almost twenty two consecutive minutes of basketball with zero turnovers. Now, they did not make all their shots. They did not make all their free throws. But the fact that you were making Miami defend shots and not letting them get out and run in transition with live ball turnovers and not costing yourself possession and getting yourself frustrated and all this stuff, it helped plant the seeds for what happened later in the game where you went 26 minutes and Miami had to defend shots every single time. It was 34 trips down the floor that Clemson either finished the possession with a free throw or a field goal attempt. 
Ben, that is a remarkable. I don't know that I've ever seen that. That's more than a half of basketball. I don't know that I've ever seen Clemson, for example, go to halftime without a turnover or in the game with zero turnovers and a half. I, I don't recall a time, but that's essentially what they did last night. Interesting. Part of that reason might have been that in the second half, Clemson played more a guard oriented lineup. They went small for much of the second half. And you know, so you had more ball handlers on the court. Josh Beadle had a great game. He he handled the ball well. Um, you know, and he was you know, again, he played a good bit of the second half. In fact, I would, let me look and see exactly how much he played in the second half. Um Beetle played twelve minutes of the second half. So that was part of it. Let, let's talk about Miami for a moment because I, I had this revelation last night. I don't know if I'm right about this or not, but interested in your thought. I'm thinking about what it looked like in the first game, what it looked like last night. When you're playing Miami, you are fighting to see who can force their style of play on the opponent. Miami wants to run. They want to play four out. They want to play smaller guys. They want to play more of an NBA look. And in Coral Gables, Clemson thought they were going to wear Miami down. They did. They thought they were going to wear Miami down in the second half, and it never happened. And they paid dearly for it. I think they almost fell into that trap last night, Quack, in the first half. And it had a similar look to it. And then you get early in the second half. To me, Clemson looked tired for a stretch there. Shots were coming up short. And then then you're almost you're you're bit you know, PJ didn't have a great first half, neither did Ian. And you were almost forced to concede that, okay, personnel wise, I'm gonna have to play the way Miami plays rather than the other way around. And then it, then it worked, and you beat them. You sort of beat them at their own game. Now, I you know, I didn't think Clemson did a very good job of trying to force the ball inside in the first half. I, I was frustrated that you couldn't dictate that on the offensive end. Um, and they did start the second half trying to score more points in the paint, and they did. But when you got to the end of the game, it was okay, we've got to beat them at their own game. And that's exactly what you did. So if you if you face Miami again, I think you probably see a little bit of a smaller lineup more than you normally would. At one point last night, you had R.J. Godfrey, Chauncey Wiggins, and Jack Clark on the floor at the same time. I don't remember that happening. It might have happened in a, in a small dose a few games ago, maybe at North Carolina. Was that? Are you talking about like before the under four when PJ and Ian came in? Yes. In that little two minute stretch there. Yes. I don't remember that lineup being out on the floor. It was a little, a little, a little quicker, handsier lineup. I thought that was a great. Is that a word? Hand, can handsier. We go, can we go with handsier? I'm okay with handsier. Okay, I'm all right with that. Um, I think. Miami, you mentioned that you've got to try to dictate stuff. I think particularly some there are certain teams that have to do that. 
I think Virginia is one where when Virginia and Miami play, it is a tug of war to see which team can establish a way of playing. And whichever one does is going to make the other one incredibly uncomfortable. Yes. Clemson is similar to that in that Clemson, run, they run stuff for players, but they're running a lot of sets. They don't mind being in the half court. They don't mind guarding you a little bit. Miami just wants to ping pong. Boop, 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 boop. A little bit like Syracuse, although Miami does it maybe with a little more control, a little less hair on fire than Syracuse. I felt like Syracuse was literally sometimes just sprinting down, almost like, this is bad, but I got the, the example of like, the, the worst player on your kid's 10-and-under team that's just, like, dribbling at his head, and he just, like, runs so fast he loses, he, like, he kicks the ball out of bounds. Yeah. He just can't. That's what I feel like Syracuse is. Just, like, go down the court as fast as you can in a straight line, and if the ball goes to the rim at some point while you're doing that, great. But at least you went fast, and then we're going to just sprint right back and try to trap and turn you over. Miami is a little more controlled in that, but like there were times, to your point, there were times in the second half where Clemson started, you'd get, and late in the first half, I think it particularly did this too. You know, you get a little ball reversal, you get the ball to the second side, you try to throw it in, it's not really there. You throw it to the top, it's not really there. Pass here, three dribbles, deep three. That's a Miami possession. That's how Miami plays. And that's how Miami wants you to play. Because if this is a, uh, Side dribble, three dribble, pull up, 25-foot three-point contest, guess who's winning that? Mm -hmm. Not you. Miami's going to win that game. You know, and you're right. And I'm watching Miami last night thinking, okay, when other teams like Clemson or or Florida State or or NC State are in practice spending time on uh, post-entry passes – Miami's in practice spending time on ball reversal around the top of the key. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yes. That's what they do, right? That Those are the and they two. Do it, and they do it well. They they move the ball well around the arc. Depending on who their ball handlers are, they are either like heavy ball. Remember uh, when Shane Larkin was at Miami? Yeah. And all they did was set ball screens for him. They'd set five ball screens for him every possession. And now they do this other thing because they have different guys on the wings. That can that can do that. Poplar and Pack in particular, although Pack was dreadful last night, uh, and hurt. I will say George is good at it. The the dribble pull up that kind of stuff. They got Clemson to play their game. I don't mind. Not, I, I I'm a little bit different from people. I I think Clemson is a good enough shooting team, and they share the ball well enough around the perimeter that they don't have to throw it in. That's why I've been fighting this narrative all year that PJ just needs to get his butt on the block. Why? If they know that PJ's on the block and you can't get it in there, you can score another way. Mm-hmm. You, you don't have to do that. But to your point, I feel like Clemson would try to throw it in one time, and we also know that in, in college basketball, most good possessions do go inside, and most good possessions don't go inside the first time because teams are good at taking away the first post pass. You've got to reverse the ball, get an angle, and throw it in the second side. That's where I think Clemson was not willing to do that last. Either they weren't posting well enough or anything like that. And one more thing about this. I know we got to go to break. I want to talk about more on the other side. Miami played, and I don't know if they did the whole game, but a lot of the first half I noticed, they were playing basically what, what I think Texas Tech does this a little bit with their defense, like a no-middles principle mm-hmm. where it is heavy help to the ball side where you are in the only pass you're encouraging is a skip pass. 
and you're going to let the skip pass be completed across the floor, but you are helping on post, you are helping on elbow, anything inside the lane or to the ball side, you've got people over there. Miami did that with P.J. Hall, so it wasn't as simple as you can just leisurely reverse the ball because guess what? Then help's coming from the other side, and you're not able to get the ball in there. Like you said, I don't think Clemson was quick enough. They weren't making quick enough decisions. They weren't reversing the ball quick enough, and they were too willing to just take that skip pass and then break the defense down or shoot the ball. In the last four minutes, they finally got the ball in. They finally started getting the ball in, and Shefflin and and P.J. Hall combined for some big-time plays. We'll talk about that more on the other side. Stay with us. Hour two of the program continues right after this. Do, 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 do. Hey, what you gonna do when you gotta pee? You're gonna call Royal Flush at 238-8800. We've got your porta potties. We've got your event trailers too. Call Royal Flush at 864-238-8800 or visit them online at royalflushtoiletrental.com. We'll even pump your septic tank for you. Call Royal Flush because we're the king and queen of clean. So what have you gotta do, 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 do? Call Royal Flush. I'm Lance Crick. After 20 plus years as a federal prosecutor with the U.S. Attorney's Office in South Carolina and several years as a state prosecutor, I joined Ryan Beasley Law last year to practice law with Ryan and Mary Hunter. Our team works in courtrooms across the state, including city and magistrate courts, as well as state and federal courts. We work with clients in all areas of state and federal criminal defense to include pre-arrest investigations, white-collar defense, as well as student conduct issues at colleges and universities. Our responsive and proactive approach in cases is at all times client-centric and resolution-focused. We look forward to the opportunity to work with you. Please give us a call at 864-679-7777 or find us online at ryanbeasleylaw.com. In every case, for every client, in courtrooms across the state, Ryan Beasley Law, ryanbeasleylaw.com. Twin Peaks is the best in the game. Here, your favorite drafts are poured at a frosty 29 degrees, and rare barrel-aged whiskeys are served just the way you want them. It's bigger game days and bolder fight nights. I mean, where else can you find a scratch kitchen that always comes in clutch? Every day, from lunch to late night. Only at Twin Peaks, the number one sports bar. Twin Peaks is always adding exciting cocktails to the menu, like the expertly balanced Sincoro Hall of Fame Margarita. Try it at your local lunch today. I'm Eddie Bennett. Winter means colder weather and hot deals on Takeuchi at Bennett Equipment. We have Takeuchi track loaders, excavators, wheel loaders, and hundreds of attachments ready to go to work today. Why settle for less with other brands when you can have the best in Takeuchi? Stop by any of our four convenient locations and see why Bennett and Takeuchi set the standard for equipment sales and rental. And remember, when you need equipment in the upstate or northeast Georgia, buy it or rent it from Bennett. Nick and Mike Bar and Grill, Clemson's choice for great dining, is pleasing you with their innovative food. Featuring two for $25 menu choices like Cajun or Creamy Alfredo, fried calamari, garlic basil pesto, meatball sub, or spaghetti, all served with Texas toast. Two entrees for just $25. And remember, Wine Wednesdays. Choose select wines for just $5 per glass. Open daily for lunch and dinner and brunch on Sundays. Nick and Mike Bar and Grill, 1310 Clemson Boulevard at the Best Western. 
Engineered Sleep has been a Roar partner for over eight years, and your support has meant the world to them. They design and manufacture some of the best mattresses in the world right here in Greenville, South Carolina. If you've not visited their new 95,000-square-foot facility at 333 North Pleasantburg Drive in Greenville, you should. Go check out their mattress showroom and also take a tour of their factory. It is rare that you can buy a mattress directly from a factory that has been making them since 1931. Live and local sports talk coming to you from the Upcountry Fiber Studios. This is 105.5 and 97.5 The Roar. Serving the five counties of the South Carolina Upstate, Upcountry Fiber is a stronger connection. Here at The Roar, every day is game day. We are 105.5 and 97.5 The Roar. All right, hour two continues out of bounds. One other thing about Clemson feeding the post. I said I, I thought I was okay with not just forcing it in because, I mean, Brad Brownell actually talked about this in his post game. He was like, you know, for every two passes you get in there, there's one that's a tough angle and maybe you turn it over. He's like, we get turnovers that way trying to throw it in. Um, I do, and Ben, you tell, tell me if you think I'm off base on this or if you felt something different in real time. Again, I'm, I'm watching on my phone last night. I, I don't have the stat sheet in front of me, so I'm not able to track it at the, at the media timeouts or anything like that. It didn't seem like Clemson was playing in a way that was like, you know, the, 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 where they were getting the ball was poor. It didn't seem like they were missing opportunities. If anything, I felt like they were, there were guys open on the perimeter that they were missing sometimes while they were also shooting a bunch of threes. But I did think at a certain point in the second half, it just became apparent to everybody. And it, like, you got to either drive it in there or throw it in there because we can't just keep doing this dance from 24 feet. Mm-hmm. And I know PJ and Ian, they combined to make one shot in the first half, and that was likely a point of emphasis, just get them going a little bit. But it was easier said than done, I think, with the way that Miami guarded until the very end of the game when they finally started to to take advantage of some cracks there. Yeah, they crashed hard on Ian. I mean, they they played a lot of denied defense on him, more so than I remember in other people doing. The, fr- the frustration for me was that you didn't have both of them in there, which allowed that to happen. Uh, you didn't have both, uh, both he and P.J., posting up uh you also for and i don't know why this is like joe made a couple of just bad passes entry passes and he was frustrated with himself i mean he he just airmailed a couple early and, in the game early in the game and uh-huh. somebody somebody else did as well i can't remember who it was but i remember joe more because he he was frustrated with himself that he he was bad on that um. Yeah, I don't. You know, again, I, I just think it was. I think it was a contrasting style, and at some point, you realized your style probably was not the way to go last night. Also, you know, and you could you. I think you could see it last night, Quag. I've, I've been telling you, PJ and Ian both struggling with some nagging injury stuff. 
they they both kind of looked that way to me last night in the first half. You know, so I mean, the silver lining here, and it's a huge silver lining, is that you know may, PJ maybe didn't have his best game ever, and you won anyway. You won comfortably anyway. You know, a lot of his points came late, and you you won anyway. And and you can't you can't expect a guy like him and Ian, who again are are not a hundred percent right now. You have to allow for them to have an off night every now and then, and and not be as sharp as you would hope. You just have to allow for that. That's right. I I thought that was one of the more encouraging things, and the other. The other thing that I found most encouraging, and this is something that I think has happened, we made a big deal about it when it wasn't going well, and we haven't made as big a deal about it lately when it's going better. In the last eight minutes of the game, I pulled this up during the break. In the last eight minutes of the game, you know what, I'll give you seven minutes of the game, because Keyshawn George made a three to make it 57-53. Miami scored on one possession. They scored one time down the floor in seven minutes. Hmm. Think about what we've been saying about this basketball team. They're not going to be great defensively. But when you can score the way they can score, and when you have the type of players that they have, all you have to do is make big stops. Just know how to get important stuff. Rebound the ball defensively, which I thought Clemson did a very good job of. Uh, Ian Shefflin was winning one-on-three and one-on-four battles on the offensive glass. He was laboring at times. I'm going to tell you what. Ian looks like he labors every time except mm-hmm. when there is a ball off the rim and he's going to get a rebound. Yeah, and Ian's timing on some of those rebounds last night was not quite as sharp as it has been in other games. Like, you mistimed the jump just a hair he was very close on on several that he didn't get again I'm, I'm in no way complaining about those guys i think you realize that it wasn't their best nights offensively but again i i credit miami for that because you were real you were you realized you were not going to be able to force your will on them and you adapted and won Am I? Man, man, your depth really, your 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 versatility in your lineup really showed last night. Jack Clark, yeah, the ability to put Jack Clark on the floor, and this is no. Can I just say that I'm a big Chauncey Wiggins fan. There are there are moments in these games where the things you're required to do, Chauncey's not ready to do them yet. I believe in my soul that he will be. But he's not ready to do them yet. Jack Clark had eight points. He made that big turnaround. He made an early three and a big turnaround jumper. And uh, he got the steal on the the miscommunication and the layup run out. Mm-hmm. That was his offensive contribution. Everything else he did, six rebounds, three assists, no turnovers, two blocks, two steals in 27 minutes. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant floor game. Only scoring eight points. But you don't need Jack Clark to score. When Chase is shooting it and Gerard's out there and Hall's out there and, you know, Ian can score it, you've got guys coming off the bench that can score it, Beatles capable of doing that. You've got other guys that can do that. Jack doesn't need to do that stuff. You needed somebody to do all that other junk, all the mess that Ian was doing some of, that Hunter Tyson did a lot of last year, that Jack Clark was brought in to do that part of it. 
Jack, again, a lot of his contribution doesn't necessarily show up on the, in the, uh, on the stat sheet. If you watch Jack, and I, I'll keep saying this, he understands floor spacing better than anybody on that team right now. And, and you'll watch him. Chase will have the ball on his side. And Jack understands that if I take one step back, my defender comes with me and Chase has a, a lane to the lot, to the basket. Like he, you, you can see him make those adjustments. Yes. Uh, yes. His, I, that's probably the thing that I miss the most when I'm watching him play. And it takes little moments where you're like, oh yeah, I remember. Is, because I, I love watching him guard. Mm-hmm. I, you're talking about spacing on. I, I love watching him help on defense. I love watching him guard his man. I love watching him do his assignment. Think about when you didn't have Jack Clark. Okay, you're talking about that lineup. I, who was out on the floor right there in that small lineup? It was uh, Beetle and Godfrey and Clark and Wiggins and I can't remember who the other one was. It was out there for that two minute stretch. Until the under four when PJ and Ian came back in. It could have been Dylan. It may have been Dylan out there. Okay, let's let's say that it was. Okay. Think about how many plus defenders. I don't, I don't think that it was, but okay. it doesn't matter. Think about let let's say let's say it was Chase. Let's say it was Chase. Think about I just hung up on somebody, by the way. I'm sorry, call back. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> think about how many plus defenders are out there on the court. You have Jack Clark, who's a plus defender. You have Dylan Hunter, who's a plus defender. You have Josh Beadle, who's a plus defender. I know he fouls, but in my opinion, based on what he's asked to do, I think R.J. Godfrey is a plus defender. Now, think about a lot of the lineups down the stretch of games like Louisville, like Georgia Tech, like some of these games where even Virginia, to a degree, because Jack's still kind of getting his feet wet, the the option to go to your bench to keep Clark on the floor to give some of these guys rest that are more offensively minded I think PJ's grown into a nice defender I do I don't think he's a negative on the defensive end I think you have to help some other guys we talked about on ball defense not being a strength I think at times they've done better I actually thought there were a couple of Chauncey Wiggins possessions where he guarded he did his work early and guarded very well Um, to me though you now have the option to put more than two plus defenders on the floor at critical moments to set a defensive tone for you. And I'm not sure that was an option without Jack Clark because of his versatility and the way that he allows you to sort of construct a lineup around whatever it is that you feel like you need him to do. Or whoever else you need to be on the floor, Jack can give you that that fifth position. That's why Miami scores once in seven minutes last night. Down the stretch. Because you're able to give defensive looks that you weren't able to give two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, six weeks ago. That's why Clemson, who was 15th in ACC play in defensive efficiency, just three weeks ago they were 15th, dead last. They are now 10th. That is not a fluke because they're still giving up too many threes probably from a percentage basis. But they're defending the paint better. They're forcing a few more turnovers. And they've been generally more consistent on the rebounding because of Jack Clark. On the P.J. thing, uh, several texters are saying Mickey mentioned this this morning. I I didn't know how public it was, but uh, P.J. is a little under the weather last night. 
and you know that again when I say we, we give these guys a pass for not being 100% every night it's kind of what I'm talking about uh, you know in addition to nagging injuries maybe maybe a little sickness going around there too so you want it anyway uh, Brownell and Shef- uh, Brownell said that um, Hall and Shefflin probably wouldn't practice much the next two days neither one of those guys just trying to manage them because of the because of the load of the season because of how hard it is to do what they're being asked to do now you need them you need them big time against nc state where last night stylistically that might have not been their best setup for them against nc state it will be Again, against NC State, you need them on the defensive end, and they ought to be able to eat on the offensive end. Make your free throws. Yeah. Ben Middlebrooks. They ought to, they ought to be able to eat on the offensive line. Uh-huh. Make your free throws. Uh, DJ Burns and PJ Hall's are my favorite matchups. Can I just say that? I love watching DJ Burns. DJ Burns and anybody. God. D- DJ Burns and a, and a couple of Wendy's Baconators. My gosh, man. That's a good matchup. That's <laughs> good. That's good. Um, side note, I know it's a little bit early to be doing this, but I did look at potential bracket, ACC tournament bracket. I'm still worried about Miami. Is it? I mean, the Eclipse have beat it by 17. I do not want to see Miami again. Look at the peer teams around Miami in the ACC right now. Look at the teams that are right around them. This kind of makes my point. Would you rather fake Miami is right now, if the tournament started today, they'd be the 11 seed. Clemson would be the five, so they wouldn't have to see him. Would you rather face Miami or Boston College? Boston College. Miami is a half game ahead of Boston College. Would you rather face Miami or Virginia Tech? Virginia Tech. Miami is a half game behind Virginia Tech. Would you rather face Miami or Syracuse? Oh, Syracuse. <laughs> Syracuse is a game ahead of Miami. Would you rather face Miami or Florida State? Florida State all day, every day. Florida State's a game and a half ahead of Miami. Hmm. This is my point. We just watched Clemson beat that team by 17. And I think most Clemson fans understand that you... It feels like you have to play better to beat Miami than you would have to play to beat those teams that I just listed off, including teams that are going to be higher and possibly teams that are going to get buys through more rounds than Miami in the tournament. Miami has uh, still has game with Duke, North Carolina, and Florida State remaining on their schedule. Holy smokes! They also have Boston College, Georgia Tech, and uh, they actually have two at Boston College. So, good luck. They Miami, what three and three down the stretch? Maybe if they do that, Ken Palm has them at nine and eleven, and projected to stay eleventh. And that's what it would be, 3-3 three and three down the stretch. Uh, we should also note, Nigel Pack did not score last night. So, while we're talking about all this stuff, Clemson did well. One thing that they did was make sure Nigel Pack didn't get going in the game, which I think may have had a lot to do with his knee. He's had, he's had some knee problems and was... I thought there was a chance he might not play the way they were talking about it. He went 0-7, for 7, seemed a little uncomfortable, didn't get to the foul line. That was by far the worst game he's played at Miami. He didn't have near the lateral movement last night that he normally does. Uh, Texture asked where Clemson is in the standings quickly. They are they currently sit at number five. Wake Forest plays at Duke, I believe, this weekend. At Virginia. Oh, at Virginia. This weekend. Yep. Yeah, Wake at Virginia. Clemson hosting NC State. So, uh, 
you know, Wake will be the underdog there. Clemson will be the favorite in theirs. So if that plays out, then you could have you could have a tie there at for fourth uh, by the weekend. But but currently they are tied with uh, they're tied with Pittsburgh and NC State and Florida State for fifth. Major bottleneck from fourth through like eleventh. I mean, there's not a lot of breathing room there at all. Um. I want to tell you before we get a break about PhD weight loss, if you are struggling with your weight this year, Dr. Ashley Lucas has some tips for you. I like her uh, podcast, the Dr. Ashley Show podcast, because it is a it is an incredible, incredible company. Uh, it is an incredible show about an incredible company. It, it gives you sort of the baseline stuff uh, that they need. Uh, for you to understand before you go into the process. If you meet with their folks, you will be able to see what I've seen and what John Hyde's seen and what Mike Vaughn's seen and what what Don Munson has seen. You'll be able to see the difference, and you'll be able to speak the lingo. You'll be able to understand what they're talking about, and you'll be able to see the benefits to your life. For more on that, go to the website. That's myphdweightloss.com. Hour 2 continues right after this. Call the plumber whose name is his name. One Tom Plumber will be there in an hour, or they'll discount your bill. In one hour? Yeah. Just dial the number one, then Tom Plumber. That's their name. That's their number. Call the plumber whose name is his number. One Tom Plumber. One Tom Plumber. Is your crawl space damp or musty? Water in your crawl space can cause wood to rot and creates an environment for mold and mildew that can make its way inside your home. Canty Foundation Specialist specializes in crawl space repair. Call us today for your free inspection so you can have the peace of mind knowing your crawl space is dry and your home is protected. Call today, 864-641-0176 or visit cantycanfixit.com. 59 years is a long time, especially when you're talking about how long a company has been in business. But that's exactly how long Joe Robertson and son have been servicing and installing roofs right here in the upstate. 59 years. That means that many of the roofs you see every day, your neighbors, the roof at your favorite restaurant, even the roofs you're driving past right now are likely a Joe Robertson and son roof. Now, you might be wondering why so many people here in the upstate have chosen Joe Robertson and son for their roofing needs for nearly six decades. And the answer is simple. They were founded on the principles of providing quality workmanship, fair pricing, and complete customer satisfaction. When you work with them, you won't pay a single dime until the job's been completed to your satisfaction. So if you have any roofing needs, do what so many people in the upstate have done for the past 59 years. Make it a Joe Robertson and Son Roof. Call 246-0886. That's 246-0886. Or visit robertsonroofing.net. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's corporate cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. 
And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp. Just go to ramp.com slash sports. Ramp.com slash sports. R-A-M-P dot com slash sports. Here at ATV Outfitters, we stock more ATV, UTV, motocross, and street bike products than anyone for hundreds of miles around. We have more than 10,000 tires and wheels on hand, and we pride ourselves on great prices and getting you the accessories you need fast. Come see us and the items that are readily available to get your vehicle ready for the street, trail, or mud pit. Don't buy elsewhere. We'll both lose money. Come by the store located at 2485 Rutherford Road, Greenville, or shop online at ATVOutfitters.net. For over 36 years, Little John Portable Toilets has proudly served the upstate. From construction to special events, Little John Portable Toilets has you covered with worry-free toilet service, delivered, cleaned, and sanitized, serving the upstate and further when possible. Portable toilets, handicap, hand wash stations, holding tanks, executive restroom trailers. And if you have a question, we have a live person to talk with. Little John, family owned and operated. 800-499-5667 and at littlejohntoilets.com. Baseball season's almost here, and we have you covered from now until opening day. Hitting, it's not about muscle. It's simple physics. Calculate the velocity V in relation to the trajectory T, in which G, gravity, of course, remains a constant. <laughs> we are the roar. Hour two continues out of bounds. <laughs> some of y'all, some of y'all got jokes on your text. I'm just saying. <laughs> some texts we can't read on the air, but oh, no, they're funny. That's amazing. That's amazing. I like a good thread between shows. Doug and Clemson says this. He, it's a little callback, a little, a little TBT. Throwback Thursday. He says Larinaga gave up again last night with two minutes to go. He sat down, and he didn't get back up till the final few seconds. Hey, he also said he seemed a little perturbed with Chase taking that last shot. I ain't mad at anybody taking. You know how many times his team has jacked up a thirty footer with four on the shot clock, up by fifteen. I, if he's perturbed about that, I don't even care. All right, you, you can you can save that one. I. I'm going to agree and disagree with Doug on this. I'm going to agree with this. There and I don't I don't know then there would have been no reason for you to be watching this. Honestly, there would have been no reason for anybody to have been watching this. And I can only think of one potential reason this would have happened. At the under 4 media timeout. I think it was the under 4. It may have been the last timeout they called. I think it was the under 4. Um they're about ready for play, and Clemson is going to inbound. No, Miami's going to inbound the ball in front of their bench. And they have moved. You know what? It was a called timeout. It was Miami's last called timeout. They have moved 
the chairs, stool, whatever, out onto the court. So they they sit everybody out on the court for timeouts. You don't go all the way to the bench. They sort of move chairs and then move them back. Mm-hmm. At the end of that, I don't know if it was trying to stall for time. I don't know exactly what was happening. That's the only reason I would think of that this happened. The team breaks it down. One, two, three, Canes. Or whatever they say. Do you know what I'm about to say? Yeah. Jim and Pac still sat there? Is that what you're talking about? Yes. I saw that too. They stayed sitting. And it was like like a (laughs) one-on-one. He like, Pac, and then Pac leaves. And he's just like looking up at the top of the rafters. He's just staring up at the top. And like everyone is out. We're ready to play. The, the TV camera gave us a wide shot. Everybody's ready to play. And Larinaga is, he's inside the three-point arc sitting on a stool. Not He has not moved. And I'm thinking, what? What is going on here? It was odd. Yeah, I noticed that too. It was odd. I Did anybody else? Okay, text for the 803 says, he sat there. I saw it. I, I'm thinking to myself, this guy, and I, you know what I thought? I thought this guy has never looked older than this. He is taking the role of Jim Beheim now. He is in the league. He is the new Jim Beheim. He was already like half Jim Beheim. Now he is full blown Jim <laughs> Beheim. And and Texter, I agree. They got to the end of the game and they were letting Clemson control the clock, and they never start. They never went into foul mode. I agree with you, Texter. He. He kind of gave up there at the end. You know what? I was okay with it with with this in mind. When he called that last – it was after the last timeout because he called that last timeout. He had none left. I think they were down nine, if I remember right. They were down 69-60. <laughs> Again, Texas got jokes. I can't read the text line. Okay. He's not running for president. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be young. He's a whippersnapper running for president. Um, I think, I think he did it because he knew he couldn't. Like, if they didn't get stops and scores, there was no reason to do that. Like, they were down nine. They missed a shot. I, I honestly, I think they took one pass and like a 24-foot three and missed it. And Clemson went down and scored. And there was no, they, they didn't have timeouts. If you don't have timeouts at the end of the game, you really can't come back. And putting a team to shoot seven, whatever Clemson's shooting, a 76, 77% from the line, putting them on the line a million times is not going to, that's not going to do anything. So I actually, I actually thought it was an okay strategy, although it did, uh, it did keep with the theme of when they're down double digits, he just quits coaching at the end of the game. It kind of is in keeping with, uh, it's kind of in keeping with that, but. I thought the timeout situation was important in that, too. That he basically put all his eggs in the basket of, we're down nine, there's less than two minutes left, we have to get a score here, and then we have to get a stop, and they jacked up a quick three that was way off, and then they gave up points on the other end. And so he said, <laughs> he said the game's over. <laughs> I can't <laughs> I can't with y'all, man. I can't with the texture. Uh, Doug says this final basketball observation last night, Norchad O'Meara's really good. Yeah, I, t- I told you yesterday that he's a grown man and knows how to use – he's undersized, but he plays bigger than he really is. You're right. 
He's he's a he's a good good basketball player. If not for Filipowski and Hall, he would be all. I think it's going to be hard to put three like forward center types on the all conference team. It's going to be hard to find five players better than him though, in the league. He's like top two in a lot of categories, and he's like sixth in scoring. I think. In yeah, the ACC. see, he is. Um, it, again, it, yeah, it depends on where they put him, but. So you get you got Blake Henson in there, and he's a similar style player, but he's he's actually not as good as Blake Henson at at Pitt. But they may I don't I don't know where do you categorize him? I guess Henson's Henson's I guess what, a wing. Yeah, what what position do these guys play he's anymore? Like, I don't even really know. He's like um, o, o, Omir is a wing player if he plays on a team that has big men, but he he is the big man. I'm trying to think of a guy who is the size of a forward that plays like a wing, like in in recent memory that we compare to Henson. Uh, O'Meara would be in more the Ian Shefflin yeah role. Yes. Um, what about Henson as like a maybe Bonzi Colson? Was Colson more of a back to the basket when he was at Notre Dame? Was he too much of a back to the basket guy there to fit Henson? Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, Henson is six eight two thirty. Yeah, but yeah, you'll y'all you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about with Henson here in a couple of weeks when he I was comes say, to, to Little John. I'm, you're worried about Pittsburgh. I am. I I'm worried about everybody. I'm man. worried. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I'm worried about everybody. I am. Uh, I am worried about. Uh, I'm still worried about Miami in the uh, in the tournament. I honestly, because of where they seed, I think Miami. I think I would. People are going to think I'm nuts. I would rather play North Carolina than Miami. Yeah, that is nuts. <laughs> I think I think I would rather play North Carolina than Miami. The one thing I'll talk to you off the Miami ledge a little bit though. We were talking about the style of play. I, I do think you proved something to yourself in the second half last night against Miami, and if you have to face them again, you go into the game with a little different game plan than maybe you have. Fair? Uh, yes, I think so. And third time's the charm, whether you can really you can really stick to it. And I think Clemson can really stick to it. Uh, text from the 843 says, uh, Omir's like Craig Smith from Boston College back in the day. Boy, oh, now, there's, a, there's a throwback. We're going back. That's, uh, that's old, uh, what's his face? Al Skinner, BC days. Good for you, texter. Chris Hobbs reference on the text line. Chris Hobbs was bigger than 230, wasn't he? Yeah, Chris Hobbs. Chris Hobbs was a <laughs> that guy was massive. Golly Moses! A texter asked, "Who should the first team be?" Texter, that's a great question. Um, the first team be in what? In like in, all ACC first team? Oh, you mean just all the players? All the players on the first team? Oh, since we're doing, since we're talking about Omir this way. Who? Um. RJ Davis is a no-brainer. You got to yeah, you got to put Davis me. on there. Um I think PJ Hall's got to be on there. He's averaging 20 he's second in the league in scoring. Averaging a block and a half or whatever whatever 1.8 blocks so we, he's I think second in the league in blocks. Um and the percentages he's shooting very good. Good enough to get in there. 20 and 7 is what what PJ's doing. Um I guess 
I'm I'm inclined to just put Filipowski in there. I don't I don't think Filipowski uh-huh. should be a shoe in to go in there. But everybody's put him. You know, everybody is like, well, you got to have Hall and Filipowski and Davis. And I'm like, I don't. Do you though? Filipowski's seventh in scoring in the league. Look at me doing raw stats for once. He's sec- he's seventh in scoring in the league. He's sixth in rebounds. He's less than an assist. He's 1.1 steals, and he is tied with PJ Hall for third in blocks. He's only among the AC among top five players in the ACC. He's only top five in one of those categories that I mentioned. Why does Filipowski have to be on our first team? Yeah, I'm not sure that he does. Uh, for me, Blake Henson's on that on that team. I would say Henson. I, I could justify Henson, Henson way easier than Filipowski. Yeah, Henson or O'Meara there, but probably Henson on there. Um, I would I would have I mean, said, I think O'Meara, O'Meara is one of two players in the league that's averaging a double-double. He and Baycott hmm. are the two players in the league. Baycott's averaging 14.2 and 10.2, and O'Meara's averaging 17.8 and 10. And the efficiency of O'Meara is really good, too, because... I mean, he's he's shooting at a he's shooting at a better clip than Baycott. He's taking more shots, but he's making almost two shots a game more than Baycott is. So I could justify Omir maybe even uh, maybe even before Baycott, and then boy, then you're really uh, boy, you are really scrambling now. Hunter Salas from Wake. I've not gotten to see him in person yet. Good player. Um, Really good. Judah Mintz has good numbers. I feel like that's more volume. I'm okay with leaving him off, I think. Let me see. What about what about the old Tony Bennett, Virginia, just does all the stuff? The the that selection. Reese Beekman. What about throwing Beekman on there? You know what? The way I talked about him is disrespectful. Let me read you his stat line for a second. Does does Beekman have does Beekman have the numbers to be on there, though? He is tied for 19th in scoring. Okay. Defensively, I put the boy on there. All right. Four, so, 14 points per game for uh, for Beekman. Leads the league in steals. Leads the league in assists. He's a solid player. 14 points, 3.1 rebounds, 6 assists, 2.3 steals per game. I, I might put Beekman on there as your fifth guy. Did I even do the th- four before that? <laughs> I might have tried settled up four. Uh, I think we're I think we're missing a guard. We're we're definitely missing a guard. Really, I'm trying to figure out I don't want Phil Powski on here because I don't I think ev- I'm almost like the, the equal and opposite reaction. Everyone is just assuming he's on there and I don't know why. I don't know why he's just assumed to be on there. If I gave you Davis Hall Beekman, uh, who else? Um, we said uh, Henson. Henson and Hunter Salas or Omir. Put Omir on there. Our three is next. WCCPFM 105.5, Clemson, Greenville, Anderson, WAHT AM 1560, Cowpens, 97.5, Spartanburg. We are the Roar. 
Thank you for voting Tiger Express Wash as the best of the best car wash in 2023. Use your unlimited fast pass in Clemson, Easley, or Pendleton. Tiger Express Wash, proudly serving the upstate with more locations, same quality care. Shop where the pros shop. Landscaper Supply, offering hardscapes to landscaping, power equipment to hardware. Landscaper Supply wants you to have free gas for an entire year. Purchase a gas grill from any Landscaper Supply location, and they'll keep your propane tank filled for the entire year. That's a great deal for all you backyard chefs. And while you're at it, scoop there it is with their mulch made easy delivered right to your home. Seven upstate locations, a better experience for homeowners and pros alike. Landscaper Supply. Most folks in your neighborhood.